You're listening to the Toolstation Western League podcast with Ian Knockholds and Tom Hiscott. Welcome, listeners, to episode 27 of the Toolstation Western League podcast with me, Ian Knockholds, and I'm delighted to be joined on the line by our social media manager. It is Mr. James Healy. Hello, James. How are you? Very well, Ian. How are you? You're looking very slim, I have to say. Well, I'm glad you said that. Because, um, you know, this whole diet and fitness regime has, um, you know, has has been paying off. And I'm very pleased to report that since our last discussion, I have actually upped my my weights as part of my my Joe Wicks um, exercise plan. We're now using weights. I mean, you know, it's not it's not muscle beach in the knockholds household, you know, um, but, um, you know, I am using bigger weights and I, I am feeling the burn. You know, I have to say I am. I am feeling the benefit of it, so I'm, um, you know, I'm in a pretty, I'm in a happy place. I'm, I'm you know, myself and Mrs. Knockholds, we're, we're sort of gym buddies, and it's, it's really, yeah, it's, it's, it's probably helped my mental health. I don't think, uh, I think that that's that's safe to say. And I say physically, I actually, I, I'm feeling, you know, I am feeling pretty good. Or whether I'm any closer to that Western League call up, you know, I mean, the last time we put the come and get me plea out there, it was pretty. The silence was pretty deafening. Um, but no, I'm feeling good. And, 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 and I remember it was a couple of episodes ago. You, you, you said something about a personal trainer. I don't know whether you've, um, you've started any of those sessions. Have you? I have once a week at the moment. So I'm going to up it, I think. Uh, so I'm doing a Thursday morning. The first session was hard and I couldn't walk for the, for the next two days. <laughs> um, but last week I wasn't actually, I didn't actually ache from the session, but I went down my allotment the day after and I was aching from doing all the digging, so I think I've still got a long way to go. We've got a long way. We, we've got a long way to go before we get to see any football, I think, haven't we? So, I mean, if there's, you know, now is the time to for us to improve our fitness regimes and um, and hopefully all the benefits that come from that. And of course, one of the things, one of the other things that we'll be doing whilst we're waiting for the normal um, uh, football to return, is um, is keeping up with the podcast. Uh, on this week's edition, we hear from um, uh, one of our Premier Division managers, Craig Loxton, the manager of Shepton Manor. And uh, we also hear from uh, a club chairman. It is John Bowers, of course, from Sherbourne Town. John's been on the... Um, on the podcast before and uh, one of the great characters of the Western league. And I, you know, I don't mind admitting that this week's, this week's editions probably got a bit of a Sherborne feel to it, but um, we will kick things off with that uh, interview with Craig Loxton. And as you can imagine, really, there is only one, there is only one piece of news to be talking about at the moment. So I started off by asking Craig how he felt when he heard that this season had been ended. I wasn't surprised to be honest. We, we kind of already had the the idea that it, it wasn't was sort of going to go any further. Um, it had been stop start since last year, and um, I think once once our last game in in, in January was out of the way, we, we kind of knew then with the amount of games we still have remaining, that it was going to be uh, very difficult, you know, to to finish. So it didn't come as a surprise to be honest. I mean, back in September when uh, when 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 we we kicked off. I mean, did you did, were you worried back then that this might happen again? Not really. I thought we we kind of got back into the swing of things, especially at the start of the season with the amount the amount of games obviously we were playing, and we kind of thought, uh, you know, hoping nothing happened. But like you said, more and more cases crept in. Obviously, as the sort of second wave went around, and then it sort of become more of a reality then, where we kind of knew. Are we actually going to play this weekend? Because a lot more COVID cases were were 
were becoming clear in, in, in teams and in games, to be honest. So as that went on forward, it, um, it became more obvious that it was going to be a bit more difficult to, uh, to complete. I mean, and, and, you know, let's look at matters on the pitch from your perspective as the manager. I mean, how difficult did the, uh, the you know, the, the, the coronavirus uh, make your job? I mean, do you think it affected your side's form this season? As I say, we probably weren't affected too much with, with regards to sort of the, the games and, and personnel. We never really had anyone miss or, or had any COVID in the camp. I think we only had one game where we were actually called off um, sort of close to obviously the Saturday game due to the opposition having having COVID. So it didn't really affect us too much. Obviously, uh, the late start and sort of chopping and changing, trying to plan your, your pre-season and your, and your training, obviously with, with the government uh, restrictions and things, that, that was a bit difficult. But I think, you know, it's, it's it was going to be easy for people to hide around, obviously, uh, hide up, hide around obviously the, um, the COVID situation, but it didn't really affect us too much in that sense of, um, of how we were really. And I mean, what were your aspirations going into this season? Obviously, you've been in the job for a while now and, um, you know, you've been successful. You're one of those sides that people talk about, you know, as, a, as an established uh, team in the Western League and a difficult team to play against, a difficult team to beat. So, you know, what were you hoping for the team this season? The previous years, we've, we've progressed each year, you know, think back from when I took over sort of five seasons ago, we, we were a sort of a, a mid-table team and, and gradually we we've pushed on we've got you know we've had a obviously a sixth place finish we got to a cup final and uh, last season obviously uh, as it was none and void again but we were we were actually in, in in I think fifth and I think we would have finished in the top five um so it was sort of that was where we wanted to sort of be again you know we think we had we had a good squad there and we wanted to kick on again and, and, and sort of push on as, as far as we as we can really that was obviously the aim just to progress each year and um and see what comes with that and you had some frustrating um results this season and particularly at the you know the start of the season a couple of draws um you know to uh, to street and 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 to wellington i mean you know that i'm assuming that wasn't the start that you wanted to get off to no i, th- I think you you've hit the nail on the head there we probably drew too many games um i think they that was just down to probably just circumstance like that you know uh, small details in games i, I got sent off at street to be honest with you and that did change the game we were two nil up came back drawing and then obviously the wellington followed that obviously and they were in in, in succession but we, yeah we were a bit inconsistent to be honest with you we probably changed the way we played a little bit with regards to sort of last season we were probably a bit more direct um whereas this season we added to the squad with sort of better technical players and it probably took us a little while to adjust on both sides with the players and obviously the the new players and the old players and it it took a while for us to sort of get some momentum but um but yeah like i said it, it was difficult um it's like I said, this league is, is tough. It's just about sort of getting getting the results together, you know, back to back. And we did sort of um, find that difficult in, in spells, but we also picked up some really good results as well along the way. And I think, you know, the, the, the season finished, obviously, after our 4-1 win at Westbury, where I thought we, we could kick on then and, and have a really good run because we were, we were sat sort of mid-table and we had quite a lot of games in hand on everyone above us where I think we would have soon... Uh, soon climb the table so that was a bit disappointed but you know it wasn't meant to be in the end 
Yeah, I mean, I think you're right to talk about that 4-1 win away at Westbury. But, I mean, some of the other eye-catching results, you beat Bitten at home 4-3. And, I mean, the 4-3 the win away at Exmouth Town, I, 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 I mean, that, you know, to the best of my knowledge, nobody wins at Exmouth Town. So, I mean, that really is a standout result. Yeah, like we, I didn't realise until after until someone said they have, they haven't been beaten there in over sort of 12 to 18 months. So, you know, it, it was a, it was a crazy game down there. We were we were sort of we went one 0 down, then we were three one up, then it came back to three all. Then we scored in the last minute to um, get the four uh, three winner. I mean, in the in the few games you did play, you came up against um, some really some really good opposition, um, which we'll have a chat about in a minute. But I w- I'm going to take you back to Exmouth because, of course, one of the features of the Western League at the moment is the Devon clubs, and I'm not just saying that that you know all of them are good clubs, all of them are competitive in the Premier Division. We know that, um, but you know, equally, um, the Devon equation is something that we talk about in terms of obviously the travel distances as well. W- one of the things that's eye-catching to me about that win at Exmouth was that it was a midweek game with a 7.30 kickoff. Yeah, it was, yeah. To be honest with you, it was actually, I think it was a, a, a 5-8 to eight kickoff because we got stuck on the um, on the M5 on the way, way down and I think about 14 of our lads were, were stuck in that because obviously a few of us were lift sharing, etc. And um so it, it was difficult. It is a tough ask to obviously go to those places uh, midweek. For me personally, it's, it's never been an issue sort of travelling around. I know obviously work commitments, etc. at the level obviously takes takes sort of priority above your sort of your football life. But um, it's just part and parcel of it, really. I know there's, you know, there's there's talk about other clubs from sort of that way, Devon Cornwall coming into the league and, if that happens, then I think we just got to kind of get on with it. Really, you know, it's 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 never it's never bothered me. And I think you know, you just want to play football on on Saturday. And if that means we've got to travel, whether it's it's midweek, you know, we we can kind of just deal with it when we see the fixtures and try and plan around it as best we can. I mean, let's talk about some of the other big teams you played against, because of course we took you had that win over Bitten. Um, you 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 played Parkway. In fact, you actually played Bitten, Clevedon, and then Parkway, um, which um, you know is is quite a is quite a run of fixtures. So I mean, I, you know, regularly on the podcast I've talked about the standard of the Tool Station Western League getting better in recent seasons. You've come up against some of the best sides in the division. Would you agree with that? Yeah, I think we did. Yeah, like. It, it's it's not surprising the teams that are at the top who who they were obviously a uh, bit in, in Plymouth. I think obviously Plymouth would have would have gone up this season very very easily, um, and there is a there is a lot of uh, decent clubs sort of sort of picking up picking up now and getting better. I think Clevedon done done really well this year. They're a sort of surprise package near the top, but they've they've been sort of had a good young squad now f- for a few years and they've obviously gelled and clicked this season and and sort of put a few results together. But I I expect no different next season. I would imagine if if the leagues are the same, I would imagine it's still going to be the same sort of teams. If not, it will only get stronger because that's what I have noticed throughout my sort of five years. Sort of the teams don't sort of um, decline really; they only sort of get better and, and add to it. And well, let's turn to your um, your players at the moment. Um, ha- have you have you been able to keep in in regular contact with them? Because obviously you, you haven't had that game. You, you know you you haven't had any football um, since um, since the you know the very end of of last year. Um, so I mean, you know, ha- how difficult has it been to sort of keep the group together? Yeah, it's it's, it's kind of difficult, really. I think we're all sort of in the position, sort of now that you, you've kind of assumed that, that the football wasn't gonna 
sort of happen again. Obviously, we're still in our WhatsApp group and we talk obviously sort of regularly through there. But I think it, the interest in sort of football had had died off. Um, hopefully, we might have something together where, where we can go back. That we might have some games in place, obviously, if if the government etc allows us to do that. So we, you know, we we can pick that up again. But yeah, it is difficult to sort of keep the lads interested and in, in, with their fitness and etc. Because obviously, if 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 we don't go back until sort of end of June with regards to a sort of July pre-season, then at August start, it's, it's technically been sort of six months of the year without any football and you know any level to maintain your interest throughout that without actually being able to kick a ball is it's a tough ask i mean you know the world moves on doesn't it and you know people um start families and change jobs and all the rest of it i mean you know are you concerned that perhaps there are some people i mean not just your players as well you know some people who you know volunteers involved with the club perhaps even the supporters that that you know the, the legacy of the coronavirus will mean that some people move away from the game yeah, I think so. That that is a concern. Like players do lose interest, and they kind of think, you know, you know, they 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 do other things during during this time, and they think is actually worth going back to football, or or on then on the other hand, they might think actually, you do miss it every Saturday. I know I do, and think Saturdays aren't the same without without football for me. Um, it's it's the same with a lot of our lads, really. You know, they do miss it, but there, like you said, there will be some people that will sort of think they've. You know they've not had enough of it, but they've they've kind of become used to not having football and sort of delved into other interests and sort of pursue those. I mean, from your own perspective, you've mentioned previously. That obviously, you're you're still you're still playing. Um, I you know I, I appreciate. I don't. I, I'm not going to draw you on 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 your age or anything like that. I wouldn't be so impertinent. But I mean, sadly, over the last couple of seasons, this this you know this lockdown these lockdowns have have probably robbed you of a fair few games in, in what would be the twilight of your career i mean are you hoping to get back playing next season I, yeah i, th- I think I, I carry i always i've always said that i will sort of carry on and play as, as long as i feel that i'm having an impact when i play to be honest with you um the amount of games that i've probably missed this season and last season isn't such a bad thing because as i as i got older i always um I always sort of said to myself and the people around me that my aim was to not play as many games, but it hasn't really kind of worked out like that for one reason or another, obviously trying to find a replacement for myself and, and, and things like that. So I have ended up having to play a, a lot of football, but it obviously, you know, I can't play forever. Um, and we're looking to add, add to the, add to the squad. And, and if my, um, if my playing days are, are limited and, you know, I'll have no problem with that at all. You know, I think I can, I can do a rest a little bit more now. <laughs> well, I, I certainly hope they're not, because um, obviously playing is something that gives you a great deal of um, um, pleasure, and uh, you know that would be one of the the, the sad legacies of this of this um, virus that you know players you know towards the end of their careers have been robbed of of a few games. So I hope that there is life in the old dog yet. I mean, you mentioned earlier in this uh, interview that um, you know there's hope um, of perhaps getting a few games on. Um, in um, you know in, in in the coming in the coming weeks, and I know that there's a fair few clubs have sort of started to make some inquiries about whether there are sides that are interested in playing in sort of round robin tournaments. So is that is that an aspiration that you've got for your side? Yeah, we've actually um, been approached by um, by Nick Andrews, the manager at Street. He's sort of got together with. Um, a few other managers and clubs. So there's ourselves, um, obviously Street, Sherborne, 
Shaftesbury, Wing Canton and Bridport. And uh, all the managers have, have spoken, obviously spoke to the to the clubs and the committees of each club and tried to sort of get together and, and see if we can um, get some games uh, arranged for obviously uh, in, in a few weeks' time, obviously with regards to sort of mid-April going into, into May. So basically everything's sort of finalised with regards to the clubs doing it and, and the fixtures and the dates and things. It's just whether obviously our our local councils and um, obviously the FA the FA guidelines obviously approve that. But everything's in place. So hopefully it will do because I think I think you know it, it'd be good for um, for the clubs to obviously have have fans to come back in and, and get their football fix as well as the players get a get a little bit of football before then having a break again and then with regards to coming back to to pre-season in, um, in sort of June, July. And my thanks to Craig for his time. Uh, now it's come to the, uh, the point in the podcast, Jim, where we, we head to you for your Twitter roundup. Yeah, there's, there's been a few this week, actually. There's been a couple of uh, birth announcements clubs have put up. Um, first up with Rastock Down, congratulations to their manager, Ryan Child, and his partner, Kate, on the birth of their new baby, and also Hengrove, Put up a tweet. Uh, Craig White and his partner, also called Kate, uh, of their birth, their baby girl Lily. So, uh, congratulations to uh, to those two families. Um, one thing that stood out for me this week was a, a tweet from uh, Plymouth Parkway with their Spiuto team. I can never say it. Um, <laughs> what Plymouth Parkway? Uh, <laughs> that's easy to say. Uh, their Spiuto team um, of their away kit. Uh, it, it looks brilliant. I mean, as a kid, I loved Spudio and I still do. My two nephews, twin nephew boys, play it around my mum and dad's house, and it's great. That and uh, Test match cricket. I don't know if you ever played that. That was uh, the cricket version of Spudio. It's brilliant. Is that the one where you had the little ramp for the bowler, That's right. and you had to sort yeah. of you have to get it? Yeah, I used to play that. Yeah, I liked a bit of that. Yeah, yeah it was good. That was score a lot more right? runs playing that than I could in proper cricket. <laughs> <laughs> but as I say, I love that uh, loves Spudio, so that stood out for me seeing that. So um, yeah, that was that was really really good. Uh, Kate Trump uh, posted that they've reached the milestone of a thousand followers on Facebook in three thousand seven hundred and seventy followers on Twitter, which is uh, good going. So keep up the good work there. Uh, I don't know if you saw, but Debbie Gould, the famous yeah. photographer from Bridgewater Town, put up the graphic of. Uh, Bridgewater manager Dave Pearce, the many faces of the manager. Um, you've got to be careful when there's photographers about, aren't you? They they pap you at all sorts of angles. So he uh, hopefully he's happy with the angles that Debbie gets his photos. Well, but I mean, there's some great I'm facial sure expressions is. there. I'm sure he is because I mean it is um, what she's produced is you know it's a beautiful image. And I mean, I, I've always, I mean, why anybody would want to take a picture of me at a football match, God only knows. Um, but uh, it has happened on a couple of occasions. And when they do catch you right, when, you know, I mean, obviously in my case, I'd be, say, commentating or something like that. Uh, it's, it, it, it's a really, it's a special thing. And um, what Debbie's produced, you know, it's, um, I'd, I'd love to see a few more of those sort of collages because we see some great pictures of players. But actually it was, um, I, you know, I thought it was a really good idea, really good use of social media. It was, yeah, and you see that what she produced there. The graphic itself is outstanding, I thought. It just shows the emotions of the manager as well. And, uh, yeah, as we all know, Debbie produces some great photos, so it's good to see, see her using her photos, producing different graphics. Um, finally, uh, 
by Club Sherborne. Um, Sam, the commercial manager, sent out uh, some memorabilia to a fan in Argentina. Um, so they tweeted, it eventually arrived. I know that Sam sent the stuff months ago to him uh, and they've been waiting for it to arrive. So they sent him a shirt, a polo shirt and a tracksuit top. Um, basically, he follows Sherborne from Argentina because he uh, plays football manager and picked a lower league side and he picked Sherborne randomly and now he follows him on Twitter. So at pretty much every game you see, always see him, um, see him replying. Marco, he always replies to goals and everything. So it's uh, it's good to see that he's received his goods from the Zebras and I can't see there being many Sherborne shirts in Argentina, that's for sure. No, that's true, but it's a fantastic story, isn't it? And and I mean, I, what I really want to know is um, how far did he get Sherborne up the pyramid? Do we know that? I think he said, I think on a tweet I saw somewhere, it might have even been a reply to you, that he uh, he got up to the National League. So he took him up a fair way. Yeah, he didn't do... I mean, I can remember back in the good old days when, of course, um, Football Manager first came out, I managed to get Aldershot into the Premier League. Now, at the time, Aldershot, I think, were playing in like the Ryman's third division. So it was only by a quirk of computer generation that they even entered the uh, even entered the game. We are going back a long way. And I had a very interesting formation as well that I used to play. But basically, the more realistic and complicated they made football manager, unsurprisingly, the worse I got. I, I, I did have some success a few years ago, though, when you were able to generate your own players. Uh, I, I became the Welton Rovers manager, and I, it was at the time when Dan Cottle was playing at, uh, at Welton Rovers. And I don't mind admitting he's been my, one of my all-time favourite Western League footballers. And basically, I gave him um, I gave him the, the abilities of Cristiano Ronaldo. Uh, now, I mean, Dan's a good player. To be fair to him, he's, he's probably not that good. But um, yes, I, I, Welton Rovers were certainly closing in on the European Cup when I realised that that probably I'd. I'd um, I wasn't playing necessarily in the full spirit of the game. Anyway, we don't need to. We don't need to go down that road. Um, <laughs> have I? Uh, was that the last tweet, or have you got any it, more for me? It was, yeah, Sherborne. Yeah, it was. I thought I'd end on a on a nice positive note of them sending the stuff over to Argentina. Yeah, that's brilliant. No, that that's absolutely wonderful. I mean, I, I'm I'm going to throw in. Um, it's not really a tweet, but um, I recently listened to the uh, the final whistle, the referee's final whistle podcast with um, with Martin Cassidy, and of course we had Martin on um, the podcast ourselves um, last week. And uh, what caught my eye about this, the, the latest edition that, that's that's out for people to listen to, is that it featured Richard Fay. Now, of course, Western League fans will remember Richard from. Well, he's I mean, been involved in a number of clubs. In fact, he was on the podcast himself not that long ago. But he was manager at Street uh, when he when Street won the Western League and he took them into the Southern League. He's currently, of course, um, manager at, at Melksham Town. Um, but uh, but but those people that will know, um, those people that r- remember Richard. Um, will will know that he um, he he certainly doesn't suffer match officials silently. It would be fair to say, and so the idea that he was going to go sort of head to head with Martin Cassidy on this podcast was, I mean, it was mouth watering stuff. And I'll tell you what, it doesn't disappoint. It, it, it's a fantastic listen. You, you'll find, um, you know, I mean, I've I've retweeted it, and um, um, uh, you know, you, it's not difficult to find um, if you follow um, Ref Support on um, on on Twitter. Uh, you'll see, uh, you'll see the, uh, you know, there's plenty of links to it. Um, but um, what we've got here is we've got the uncompromising Martin Cassidy 
talking about you know who who basically you know his his sort of go-to phrase is that you know why is it that match officials always cost teams games and not players and literally within within minutes of this opening richard is talking about this spreadsheet that he's got this data that he collects on all these these match officials and the the premise of it is that it's these match officials who've cost him games so you know it is it is it is pouring <laughs> petrol on the fire, but it is brilliant. And um, we hear a very interesting story about the time Martin sent Richard off from the opposite half. Um, uh, but I mean, it's a great listen. It really is a great listen. If you enjoyed Martin on last week's podcast, even if I appreciate he's a bit of a marmite character, there's probably plenty of fans out there who don't necessarily share his particular take on on refereeing. But um, I mean, <laughs> the, get him and Richard together, it, it was it's, it's it's a brilliant listen. I really I really strongly recommend it. And um, you know, there is a strong sort of Western League feel in there as well. Um, uh, so that's you know that's that's that that brings us back to uh, that brings us back to the podcast. If you're thinking, Toolstation, I know they'll save me money, but do they have all the top brands? You know, DeWalt, Makita, Einhell, Stanley, Myra, Kudox, Nest and Santex. Yeah, they do. Over 15,000 trade quality products in the range from the leading brands with prices that are hard to beat. If you want a helping hand to save on your next job, try Toolstation. Hard to beat. With over 300 branches, there's always a tool station near you. And um, bringing us back to our next um, uh, interview, uh, we will, of course, return to um, James's, one of James's favourite subjects, uh, Sherbourne Town, and in particular, their chairman, uh, John Bowers. Now, uh, I think it's really important at this particular time that we reflect not just on the fact that we haven't got football to watch, but we also appreciate as fans and, and, um, and as players uh, the uh, the volunteers that go uh, into making and uh, you know making our game and getting games on. So for me, it's really interesting to hear how um, our club volunteers are coping. You know what 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 is life like uh, at football clubs at the moment? Because you know if you like myself, your Saturday after you know your Saturday afternoon routine is about going down to the game. But actually, there's a huge amount of work that goes on to uh, to getting those matches started and keeping those facilities um, up together throughout the, uh, the the week and regardless of what the coronavirus um, has to say about it that work doesn't stop so I started off my conversation with John by asking him how he's been been keeping busy during lockdown I've got to be honest it's been a rather boring time and I, I, I can't I never imagine I'd miss my Saturdays watching football um, and being involved with Sherwood during the week um, not been doing anything exciting, Ian. Walking dogs, can't do any gardening in this weather, uh, you know, in the winter. So, uh, not been doing a lot. And the days drag. I get up in the morning, I don't know whether it's Monday, Tuesday or, or a Saturday morning, but I definitely miss my football. And um, it shows we shouldn't take things for granted, should we? Oh, absolutely right. I mean, we've seen some fantastic examples of um, clubs sort of getting their, um, their, you know, their facilities up together during the lockdown period. Have, have you been doing any work at... Um, at Sherbourne? There's always work going on, Ian. Um, we were lucky enough, we, we applied for the bounce-back loan from the government, which we were lucky enough to get, uh, and we spent the money on our central heating, which was, the boiler was 25 years old, the radiators are second-hand when they went in 25 years ago. So it's an ill wind that blows, but it's, you know, without COVID, we wouldn't have had that, that money. I know we've got to pay it back, but it's over a reasonable amount of time uh, at a low interest rate, and we've managed to put in a new heating and water system right through the club. We paint the club. We've got other other things going on as well at the moment. Um, 
we're trying to, um, you know, we've had some windows replaced and uh, various things that are needed doing for a long time. Kept the, kept the ground ready to play, to be honest with you. Uh, because we never knew what it was. Been marking and cutting the pitch weekly, although the council actually cut the pitch for us. So lots of little things going on, and we, we've, we're not over busy behind the scenes, but ticking away and getting things done that needed doing. I mean, you mentioned there that obviously you were sort of keeping ready. You know, should the should the opportunity present itself to play? Obviously, that opportunity, in terms of the league season at least, has been has been taken away from us now. You know, the, the announcement has been made that the season's been curtailed. I mean, you know, I suppose in some respects, John, it was the worst kept secret. I think we all expected something like that to happen. But I mean, how did you feel about it when when the news came? like starting this season from your perspective I mean you know obviously in our conversations I know that you know you take your role as all of our league chairmen do uh, you know very seriously I mean you talk there about your concerns about playing you know during the pandemic with your supporters and your and your players I mean when we started out in September how did you feel then were you worried that this might happen were you worried about you know what this virus might mean for us the unknown. Uh, we, we'd like to think that we were through the worst of it and things were going to improve. And that clearly became the, wasn't, wasn't the fact. It didn't get better. It slowly got worse. I think our biggest problem was trying to cope on match day and get it right. You know, the, the rules aren't rules. It's like moving the goalposts, if you excuse the pun. You know, the, the rules changed nearly week on week. So you, you kit yourself out to try and, you know, cope with people. We needed revenue. We put up a, a we had a marquee which we put up so we could we could have some of our, our people in the bar and in the marquee uh, and give them table service. Uh, unfortunately, you know the bad weather came and destroyed the, destroyed the marquee. So yeah, not very long. But um, the, the problem we felt was trying to get it right on match day, which uh, which a lot of thought, uh, a lot of enthusiasm had to go into because it's bad enough trying to organise a game on a normal with normal conditions. Uh, during a football season with volunteers, kitchens, food, uh, stewarding on the gate, etc., etc. Uh, this just made it ten times worse and um, really just took it game on game. And it was nice to visit other clubs to see how they were coping with it. And I must admit that all the clubs we visited were having a really good go at getting it right. But if you haven't got lots of volunteers, it's very difficult to do everything that we were asked to do. You talk about getting it right off the pitch. Let's talk about matters on it. I mean, notwithstanding, obviously, all of the uncertainty around the virus, but, I mean, what were your expectations for the, for the team going into this season? 
when the season finished, the season, not the season just gone, the one before, uh, we were second in the league. I think a game in hand over Cone, and we had the goal to Cone, and we were absolutely flying. And although promotion was not something we started the season out and thought that we could gain promotion, we have got a good bunch of lads uh, who actually perform game on game, uh, past way, way past our expectations. Uh, I think our, at the beginning of the season, it was felt that if we could finish in the top half, top quarter would be great. I mean, a, an FA Cup place is what we were really aiming for, which I think is top six, depending on facilities. Uh, that, that was our aim. Um, but we actually felt, come the end, that we were good enough, uh, playing enough good football, to actually get promoted. And I, and I think we probably would have. Hindsight, which is a wonderful thing, I'm not sure that we were ready for promotion. Um, this the season has just been curtailed now. Uh, we didn't get off to such a great start. And uh, I... I I think we played something like 12, 13 games. I think we lost six, uh, which we'd lost six all of the season before, if I think, if I remember rightly. Um, so we didn't get off to a great start with us, more or less with the same bunch of lads with a couple of additions that we thought would improve the side. So we didn't get off to a great start. Um, come the end, I think, when, the, when we finished playing, we'd have been happy to finish that season in the top half. There's no way we're going to look at promotion. So had we been promoted the season before, who knows? You know, football's a very finicky game. You know, we, we don't want to. I, I like to talk about grassroots football, not not about um, the Premiership. But you only got to look at the, the top side last season. The struggle this season. Nothing, nothing follows on in football. And that's why we love the sport because there's no givens, is there? You, know, um, you can turn out one Saturday and be the best side in the league, and the next following Saturday you're struggling to put the ball in the net and you lose two 0 You know, football. That's what football does to you. Um, as from Sherbrooke's perspective. We haven't got a lot of money. We're never going to have a lot of money. We just want to be successful, ideally a strong Premier League side uh, with a cup run. You know, um, whether it's Les Phillips FA Cup or FA Vars, that's what we're, we're aiming for. We've been aiming for that for the last five years. Um, and okay, we've had two stops, so you know, it's, it's put the kibosh on a little bit. But, but that's our ambition. I mean, if we look ahead to. Um, what we hope is an unaffected season next season. I mean, do you think lessons need to be learnt by the Football Association in terms of what happens if we do get another bad winter and we get any um, disruptions? I think the big problem is, I'd like to think, and I I always go into life with a positive outlook, that the Covid thing, it won't go away, but I think we've seen the hopefully played the Covid, we've seen the worst of it. And I'm not sure that it's going to affect football again. Uh, Of course, the weather affects football and actually look uh, from Christmas till now we've had an awful lot of bad weather you know, we, we wouldn't have been playing a lot of games anyway because of the weather and that's another concern about pitches and weather and climate change and the more rain we seem to get and uh, you know I seem to spend half the year trying to get water on the pitch to make it grow <laughs> and the other half trying to get water off the pitch so we can play a game there's never, uh, never a nice balance I, I have got concerns you know, uh, about where football clubs like ours will where we will eventually end up um, with things like COVID, you know, something we never ever ever thought would happen. But I must admit that you know, with uh, the football foundation, certainly have, have put, made money available to help clubs. You know, without that, I'm not quite sure where on earth we would be. Um, you know, because we have to take advantage of, of all those things. And no matter what we have to do for COVID, we have to put a hand in our pockets when our clubhouse has been shut for now a year, and we haven't had one venue, and that's our main income. So. There are lots of concerns about clubs surviving. There are grants out there, a lot of great grants. Um, and, you know, okay, you've got to jump through a few hoops. Uh, but if people haven't been proactive in getting the grants, 
at football clubs. They're going to be in trouble. That's my other concern. Who's going to survive? Well, you talked about the grants that are available, but I suppose the other side of our football finance, if we take uh, match day revenue out of the equation for the moment, is club sponsors. I mean, how have your sponsors been with you? Um, you know, when obviously there isn't the football that you know they're expecting you to get on for them. Our main sponsor uh, is an Italian restaurant, um, and he's been absolutely fantastic to us. Now we we uh, we have sponsorship and financial backing um, last season uh, in three hits, so it comes in three three bits, so we don't spend all at once. Um, and we'd have our first handout before Christmas, way before Christmas. But I had to go and see him and say, look, you know, we can't take the rest of your money. You're in the hospitality business. You're having a hide We're not even playing football right now, um, which he was grateful for. And he has pledged that all being well, he will sponsor us next year. Uh, a lot of revenue comes from boards around the pitch. Uh, and we, we, we do it in a strange way. Um, but it might seem strange. It's quite a sensible way, really. We, we budget our, or put our boards out and, and at a cost of a 12-month period. And we try and put the invoice out every month four boards so every month you've got somewhere like a thousand pounds coming in um, all through the season but some of our, our, our um, long-standing uh, sponsors with boards have said look we just haven't got it right now and we can't do it um, and we understand that you know it, we have to be sympathetic to them because we we're here for the long haul uh, not the short haul so they need to miss a year you know we would say to them well, we'll you know we'll, we'll see if we can't come to some arrangement and maybe you're back again next year so the boards is a problem. In the main, great lot of sponsors. All of our sponsors are great, really. Uh, but we've had a few that have dipped out, and you can't blame them for that, you know. So um, we've got a, a, another sponsor that, that, that put the full money in this year that they put in last year for the reserves on the first team supply and kit and, and um, tracksuit tops and such. Uh, and they, they've been absolutely brilliant. But not everybody is making the money that they can give to a football club to support local. Um, the financial reality of, of the situation but um, I suppose there's you know there's another legacy that this that this virus might leave us with I mean do you have any concerns when we do get back playing about um, getting fans back through the gate whether you think they'll have found some something else to keep themselves entertained with their time and, and potentially even your players I mean you know life moves on I mean some of their life circumstances may well have changed during the pandemic have you got any concerns there? I've always got concerns about players uh, and about people falling out of love with football. I do worry that you, you might get the, the, some of the footballers that might think to themselves, you know what, um, my, my missus likes me at home on a Saturday doing a bit of work around the house and um, I can't go back playing football. Same with volunteers, same with management, really. Um, and then there's a shoe on the other foot where people have missed it, like I've missed it. Uh, and I do, I do speak to people around the club all the time. I haven't had anyone that said to me, no, we're not going to come, we don't want to play anymore, we don't want to come to football match, or we don't want to be a volunteer. Quite the reverse, but I still think that there will be people, I'm not talking about Sherborne in particular now, but across the board, you will leave, you will leave, will leave 
lose people within football. Um, and if you're on Twitter, you know, there's been a few adverts that for footballs and assistant managers and managers um, because I would imagine that's happened. And of course, the big time will come is when you've got to sign players on. Um, you know, whether they, uh, the wife shouting out that they all be going shopping and doing some garden Saturday instead of playing football. So another thing I thought I'd never hear. Um, but, you know, that is the way it goes these days. So um, that will test test time. Time will be tested there, won't it? Whether, whether we... Um, uh, well, whether we can still generate the same amount of people. You know, every club needs so many volunteers to run, to operate, and they're the unsung heroes. And, you know, I always think we've got two teams here, the team on the pitch and the team off the pitch, and they're both uh, as important as one another. I have got reservations, but I'm, I'm a positive, upbeat bloke, and I don't, I just think the best of everything, and that everything will be perfectly all right, and it'll be a great season next year. You know? And my thanks to John for his time. Now, before we uh, wrap things up, I know that you know Sherbourne are one of the Western League sides that you've got a very close affiliation to, James. So having talked about that chap in Argentina and obviously having just heard from John, have you got any particular little reminiscences from um, from your l- love affair with, uh, with, with the Zebras? I'm trying to think. I know a few of my mates play for Sherbourne, hence why I follow them. They're the closest uh, Western League side from where I grew up in just outside of Yeovil. So I used to go over as a kid watching years ago when Yeovil were away and we didn't travel away and Sherbourne were at home, I would go and watch. But there's no real... Normally I've got like a funny story, but I don't think I have, you know. It's just the reason why, I, as I say that, I used to go and watch is when Yeovil were away, my dad used to take us to go and watch Sherbourne. Uh, and then a few of my mates ended up playing over there. And it's just a good family feel of a, a nice pretty much like every Western League club, really. You go you go and watch. You're made to feel really, really welcome. And, uh, yeah, that, that's why I go and watch them. But I haven't got any funny stories of, of watching them. Not that I can remember, anyway. I mean, did you ever abuse your position at Yeovil Town and try and get any players who were sort of coming back from injury or needing a game or needing to go out on loan? Did you ever manage to sort of, you know, line up Sherbourne with some, with some Football League footballers? No, but there is uh, one of my one of my mates when I left Yeovil and was working at Bristol City. One of my friends wrote for the local paper in Yeovil, and was friendly with Nathan Jones, who's now the Luton Town manager. Uh, and he was at Luton the first time, so he they were playing around like Somerset Dorset way. I think they might have even been playing Plymouth or someone like that, and they needed somewhere to train. So I know that Sherbourne have lent out their ground to football league clubs uh, to train there, either if they're playing Yeovil or on their way and they need to break up their journey. I know that Sherbourne allow clubs to to train on their pitch, uh, which is quite nice. And also Chris Martin, uh, the Coldplay singer, often lands his helicopter on <laughs> on the on the pitch <laughs> when he's visiting people in Sherbourne because he went to Sherbourne Boys School. So he, uh, he he's often in the area and he lands his helicopter on the, on the pitch. There you so go. The and... that, if, it, if it's flooded sometimes, we could get him down maybe, get him to have the helicopter on and then get rid of the, uh, the surface water. Yeah, the, that's a different type of hairdryer, isn't it, from the, it from is. the sort of Sir Alex Ferguson <laughs> version. What I'm wondering, though, is that when, you know, when you've got a club like Luton, say, you coming down and using the Sherbourne facility, does, like, does the bat phone ring at, at Yeovil and the manager come over with his, with his, um, with his binoculars in a sort of binoculars, a Marcelo Bielsa esque, you know, like you know, I know that got Marcelo into a lot of trouble with with Derby County, but I'm sure it goes on. I can remember actually, 
um, um, Gary Neville got very upset about people doing that at England's training camps as well. But I mean, you know, when they sort of say like, it's all right, we've got Luton coming down, you know, you get, 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 get up the top of the hill. You know, with yeah, your binoculars, and open, so you could watch it over at Sherbourne. To be fair, you could peer over the fence. No one would know, would they? No, you just um, walk a dog. You know, who's that? Yeah, exactly. oh, it's, the, it's the Yeovil manager. Yeah, I wonder <laughs> what he's doing fence. down there. Got holding Hello? up a newspaper with two holes cut in it. Yeah, in a very long <laughs> coat in the middle. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> anyway, I don't know where that gets us. As always, Jim, it's been uh, it's been a delight. You've um, you've put a smile back on my face. Things are certainly hope. Well, things are certainly um, brightening up for us, and with a bit of luck and a following wind, um, for the sanity of the listeners, we might actually have some football to talk about. But from James and myself, you've been listening to the Tool Station Western League podcast.